I'm Sam Carter. And I'm Dean Lowry. This is Carter and Lowry. Let's get started. Back to Carter and Lowry, and we are back again with quite the exciting week. A lot of things happened. Uh, episode number 26, uh, so let's just jump right into it. Uh, let's get started off with our other sports segment. Uh, just to give you a quick uh, look at the MLB, uh, the Red Sox, Royals, Mariners, Mets, Reds, and Dodgers all lead their respective divisions. Uh, the Braves uh, pounded the Cubs 13-4 at Wrigley Field on Sunday, despite losing MLB home run leader Ronald Acuna to an injury on Sunday. Um, he is day to day, so should be able to come back in the next week. But um, yeah, I think they had uh, about four home runs in the first inning, so a demonstrative killing uh, on that front. Um, but looking at some other news in soccer, uh, twelve of Europe's best soccer teams are forming a super league of sorts, uh, despite criticism that it is bad for the sport. Um, similar ideas have been brought up in college football, Sam. Um, could this type of a league uh, with 12 teams, you know, 12 of the best teams in the country that year, you got to, you know, play the previous year to get into the league, could that be a good idea or a disaster uh, for college football? Um, that would be a disaster. I don't even think it would be a good idea for soccer to do this, um, but obviously they are. But the reason I think this would be so bad for college football because it kind of removes that uh, – amateurism that there is in the sport and that's such a huge part of the sport um i think that upsets uh during the regular season in college football are so huge and they have huge playoff implications um so i think that this would be a horrible idea i gotta agree with you um like you said you know the upsets um you know, really help to whittle down the teams to, you know, your champion. But uh, college football definitely needs to look uh, for some type of a solution because, you know, especially this year, a lot of complaining has been going around about the college football playoff system, which, to be fair, was a lot better than the BCS system where you have a computer determine, you know, which team is the best. Um, But a lot of uh, questions to be answered, but they got plenty of time to figure things out uh, before the next season. But we're thinking about the next season. Upcoming uh, is the NFL Draft, and um, especially number one overall pick is Trevor Lawrence. He's already donated to some Jacksonville charities, and as uh, some Jacksonville fans have donated to his uh, charity as a wedding present. So, Sam, I ask you, is there any doubt that Trevor Lawrence is the number one overall pick uh, in this draft? Not much, but I think there is a chance, and it would not surprise me if – well, actually, it would surprise me. But I would not be too terribly shocked if uh, the Jaguars did go with Justin Fields out of Ohio State because they did just hire Urban Meyer, who was a former Ohio State coach. Um, and he uh, decided uh, to go with the Jaguars earlier this season. Now, Fields never played under... Um, under Urban Meyer, but but I think just like they run that very similar offense still, um, right. so it wouldn't surprise me. Well, uh, looking at some other things, um, you know, obviously I have laid out here the uh, for me and Sam the top 
uh, 10 uh, players right now on Mel Kuyper Jr.'s uh, draft board. Uh, is there anywhere on there? Obviously, the Steelers don't have a, a high pick that you would be interested in the Steelers trading up uh, in order to get. Um, you know, I really think that the Steelers need a running back and possibly a QB. Um, but no, I don't think that any of the really like star QBs are low enough um, for the Steelers to trade for to get a great QB. So to flip that, your question right around on you, um, how would you feel if the Steelers were to draft uh, Travis Etienne? I would be ecstatic. That would be one of the best draft selections I think that I would have ever seen. Um, I hope, I really do hope that that happens. So yeah. Uh, just looking at the Panthers, I think that um, you know either trading up to get uh, Justin Fields or Trey Lance out of BYU. Um, I mean, there's a lot of questions, you know, surrounding the Panthers right now, obviously. You know, they traded uh, to get Sam Darnold, so I don't really know what direction we're going in with the quarterback position. But, you know, if we're going to stick with Sam Darnold or uh, Teddy Bridgewater, we got to give him some weapons. Obviously, with DJ Moore and uh, Robbie Anderson, you know, showing out last year, um, I think that, the addition of uh, Devontae Smith, you know, the Heisman winner would be great for the team. But the Panthers do have a lot of options, which is a nice um, asset to have. But, you know, the NFL draft is such a long process and it's a lot of chess moves. Uh, so a lot to come uh, from that. But looking ahead uh, to our next segment, uh, we're going to look at a pretty terrible week uh, for the Hornets. And we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Carter and Lowry, and we have our NBA segment, uh, the Hornets. It was a uh, pretty rough week, um, going one and three, falling to twenty-eight and twenty-eight overall, eighth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they beat the Trailblazers on uh, this past Sunday, uh, but they did lose to the Lakers, Nets, and Cavaliers, uh, creating a four-game uh, losing streak at a pretty uh, bad time, if I do say so myself. But you know, able to pull it back with the win. Against the Trailblazers, you know, very solid. You know, obviously Damon Lillard wasn't playing. Carmelo Anthony almost uh, came back for the Hornets uh, on the Hornets. But uh, a little bit sad this week. The first time that the Hornets had taken a lead in the fourth quarter and lost. They took a two-point lead against the Cavs into the fourth quarter and ended up losing. Um, But, you know, nice to, um, you know, be able to keep the ship afloat with that win against the Trailblazers. Looking ahead to next week, we have some critical matchups. You got we're playing in Madison Square Garden on Tuesday uh, against the Bulls on Thursday, against the Cavaliers on Friday, against the Celtics on Sunday. All those are critical Eastern Conference matchups. Um, winning three of that out of those four games would be critical in moving up in the standings. Uh, but me and Sam, we are going to the Celtics game that's on Sunday at one o'clock. It's on ESPN, Sam. So I got to ask you while you're at that game. You know, when was the last time you went to a professional sporting event? The last sporting or professional sporting event I went to was in winter 2018, I believe, or maybe 2019. I saw the uh, Hornets beat the Knicks. Um, it was a pretty good game, but I don't typically go to too many professional games so that was pretty fun 
All right, and uh, looking ahead um, to this game, I'm going to ask you these. Uh, I'm going to give you three choices here. What would you most like to see while you're at this Hornet game? Number one, a vicious Miles Bridges dunk. He's thrown in a couple nice ones. He had a nice one against the Hawks uh, on Clint Capella. Obviously, a really nice one uh, on Sunday night against the Trailblazers. B, a Hornets win, just a flat out, you know, the Hornets win, obviously. We're both Hornet fans. Or C, an ESPN broadcast feature, so this game is on ESPN. Um, so maybe, you know, they pan over to us in the stands. So out of those three options, what would you most like to happen? I got to go with the ESPN broadcast feature. Um, I've been on the Jumbotron a few times at some games, but that is not on ESPN, so that's got to be my choice. I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to go with the Hornets win. I think that beating the Celtics would be critical for playoff standings. Um, while an ESPN broadcast feature would be nice, um, you know, it's going to be tough for people to recognize you with a mask on. Well, maybe not. So, um, you know, you don't get the same level of, you know, not necessarily, like, fame from it, but, you know, it's harder for people to, like, say, like, oh, I saw you in the Hornets game uh, last night or whatever. But, Sam, why don't you give us our player of the week this week? So our player of the week this week has to be Miles Bridges, who averaged 21.2 points per game this week. Yeah, as um, you know, right now, Devontae Graham, Gordon Hayward, LaMelo Ball, and Malik Monk are all injured. Those are critical players who usually get minutes. Miles Bridges has stepped up in a big way, and he's definitely proven himself that if the Hornets do make it to the playoffs, he deserves to get some playing time. Um, but I have an honorable mention. Vernon Carey Jr., who uh, went to Duke, had 21 points, 6 rebounds against the Nets uh, as he started for the first time. The Hornets were really down bad uh, with, with uh, Terry Rozier out. Um, but a great um, you know, start to his career. Obviously, he's a more of a traditional big, so he doesn't really have a place in the modern NBA. But uh, we'll see how he fits in with the team, and maybe he'll develop into a, uh, you know, a uh, contributing player. And uh, looking at, taking a look at the standings, we'll do it a little bit different this week. Um, we're going to list the top six seeds, and then we're going to list the four teams that right now will be in the play-in tournament uh, by how far they are back of being in the top six seeds. So in the East, you have the Nets, then the 76ers, then the Bucks, then the Hawks, then the Celtics, then the Knicks. They, they round out the top six. Then half a game, one and a half games behind the Knicks, excuse me, are the Heat. Two games behind the Knicks are the Hornets. Four games behind the Knicks are the Pacers. And seven games back are the Raptors. Sam, what's going on out West? So out West, you have the Jazz in first, then the Suns in second, Clippers in third, Nuggets in fourth, Lakers in fifth, and the Blazers in sixth. So coming in at two games behind the Blazers, in seventh are the Mavericks. Then at two and a half games behind the Blazers are the Grizzlies. Then at four and a half games behind the Blazers are the Warriors. Also at four and a half games behind the Blazers are the Spurs. All right, Sam, looking at these, uh, you know, five through ten teams obviously in both leagues um in both conferences excuse me there will be a play-in tournament and here's how it's going to work i'll just remind you again the seven and the eight will play each other the nine and the ten will play each other the winner of the seven and the eight game will go to the um seventh seed no matter what the winner of the nine and ten game will play the loser of the seven and eight game and that team will be the eight seed 
So looking at some of these teams that are, you know, 5 through 10, which matchup would you be most intrigued to see uh, in this play-in tournament? Um, I'd like to see the Heat versus the Hornets, assuming that the Hornets are healthy. Um, I feel like that could be a really good game. Both are pretty good teams, so uh, that's the game that I'm going to go with. Um, I'm going to go in a bit of a different direction. I would love to see the Grizzlies against the Warriors. Um, you know, John Morant, obviously, with a lot of star power, he would have been in the play-in tournament two years in a row. Um, you know, Steph Curry's having an MVP-like season. Obviously, you know, it's tough to be the MVP if you're not one of the top three seeds in your conference. But a lot to look forward to as uh, we close in. Uh, the Hornets only have 16 games left. Ten of those are at home. And uh, not the most difficult schedule, so hopefully they can finish out the season strong. Um, but that is uh, all we have for this NBA segment. Sam, any final thoughts before we close it out? Nope. All right, that's going to do it for episode number 26, and uh, thanks for listening.